0: The year was 605 B.C. A young man by the name of Daniel was about to have his whole world turned upside down and shaken. It was only 15. He was of the royal family. This was all happening according to the scriptures found in Second Kings 24. During Jehoiakim's reign, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, invaded the land. Jehoiakim became his vassal for three years. But then he changed his mind and rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar. The Lord sent Babylonian and other raiders against Judah. He sent them to destroy Judah in accordance with the word of the Lord proclaimed by his servants, the prophets. Surely these things happened to Judah according to the Lord's command in order to remove them from his presence because of the sins of Manasseh and all he had done, including the shedding of innocent blood. For he had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, and the Lord was not willing to forgive so this is the first coming of King Nebuchadnezzar. He would come again later, and he would utterly destroy Jerusalem, and he would burn the temple. But now in 605 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar comes with his mighty armies, and he besieges Jerusalem. And finally takes it. And he takes captive this young 15-year-old boy, Daniel. Along with three friends. The four of them will be right up front in the whole story found in the book of Daniel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I want you to see and understand the supernatural working of God. One person, a Buddhist, said to me, I don't believe in the metaphysical. What would they mean? They meant they only believe in what they can see and touch and taste and smell, what they can apprehend with their senses, You cannot discover God that way. He is spiritual. He is in another realm. But let's be very clear. He is the cause. Jesus is the cause. And he came to earth as a baby, dwelt among us, demonstrated his power, and was rejected and crucified. And the day is soon coming when he will judge the United States for its shedding of innocent blood with countless numbers of babies murdered in their mother's wombs. And many other sins. Judgment is coming That is one thing we learn from reading the scriptures, that God does bring judgment. And we finally cross a point where there is no return, and destruction comes. We're already seeing the beginnings of that birth pang, those judgments on the Western world in weather, earthquakes, volcanoes, the absolute rising up of every vile and wicked thing. Those are all the beginnings of God's judgment on America and the Western world. As well as in Asia, China is experiencing the judgment of God in the same way with floods and earthquakes, with crime, but we haven't seen anything yet. We're going to see also starvation, famine, incredible pestilence, not, not COVID-19, but much, much worse pestilence that will take countless numbers of lives. So we need to go back and understand the stories. Understand that our God reigns. We find over here in, in the book of Hebrews, let me read this for you, the fourth chapter. It will lay a foundation for what we're going to share in the remaining days of this week. Chapter 4, verse 6, it still remains that some will enter the rest and those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Those words cause me to tremble. For I can tell you now, we in the American church have not recognized the truth of those words. I'll explain more in this story. The king carried off to the temple of his God in Babylon treasures from the house of God, plates, cups. Then the king ordered his chief officer, his court officer, to bring together some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men who had no physical defects, who were handsome and showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, that could be trained and could be qualified to work in the king's palace. So, they were given a three-year course of education And during these three years, they were to learn the language and literature of the Babylonians. Now in verse 5, Daniel 1 verse 5, it says, The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. Now among them, from Judah, was Daniel and three friends. Daniel, at age 15, resolved not to defile himself with a royal food and wine. If you go back to Psalm 23, verse 5, David wrote, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, Daniel had dwelt in the house of the Lord and now he was ripped out of the house of the Lord. He was made a eunuch and he was a captive in a foreign country. But in that foreign country, he makes a decision. He is not going to defile himself with the royal food and wine of that kingdom. Now, there are those today, it's an assumption made by many, that you must sit at the world's table in order to successfully compete in our culture. Daniel said, no. I am going to continue sitting at the table of the Lord and I am not going to partake of the king's delicacies. Included in that would be pork, which was unclean for him, perhaps shrimp, other items of food, But it was also the fact that it was coming from the king's table. It was royal food and wine. Now many, I'm sure, considered this to be a great gift, that they were privileged, but not Daniel. Daniel said, no, I'm not going to eat this. I'm not going to put my feet under the king of Babylon's table. I'm not going to partake of his delicacies. Now, if we were to go back to Hebrews, the fourth chapter, it's very clear that the children of Israel could not enter the rest of God because of disobedience, unbelief. Now, please hear me disobedience to God, putting our feet under the table of the devil, will prevent us from entering into the rest of God. The rest of God is where we enter into intimacy with God. The word rest in the Hebrew or the Greek simply means cessation go deeper, it is the place of repose. It is the bedroom of God. It is the place of knowing God. It is the place of absolute intimacy and oneness with God. We're invited in Jesus Christ to enter into that place of rest. Disobedience will prevent us from entering into that rest. You cannot be in Jesus and in the king's food at the same time. And so Daniel, resolving not to defile himself, politely asks the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now already this chief official had noted Daniel, his leadership qualities, and his friends. And he showed favor and sympathy to Daniel. But the official said to Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king who has assigned you food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. So according to this official, the only way to survive and be healthy is to eat the king's food. Daniel proposes, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this, a test of ten days. Now, You're not going to see very much in 10 days in the physical. But Daniel had made a decision that he would not sit at the table of the king. And God responded. Now, I said a moment ago, God is the cause, and he is. He is the ultimate cause of all things but he is also the effect that when we take certain actions, then God responds in certain ways to those actions in blessing us. Here's the problem I see. I don't know how to put it very well. I don't want to offend you, but I have to be honest with you. If you're sitting at the table of the television and feasting on all that it produces, if you're sitting at the table of your your games, your video games, if you're sitting at the table of all of the videos and the political videos, If you're feasting on all of the novels, the science fiction, the romance, historical novels, you're feasting at the table of Nebuchadnezzar, a center of of learning, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you spend all of your time chit-chatting, casual conversation, parties, raucous laughter and drinking. If you spend your time with, with alcohol and drugs, if you spend your time pursuing physical pleasures, pleasures of the flesh, Fornication, masturbation, pornography. If you spend your time pursuing all of these things, you have your table of Nebuchadnezzar and your feet fixed firmly under his table. Daniel said, no, I'm not going to sit at that table. I'm going to sit at the table of the Lord. Now, please, you have a decision. And I ask you to examine what you eat, what you eat physically and what you eat spiritually, what you take into your mind, the way those things shape your thoughts. You can sit at the king's table with false doctrine. The doctrine of the sinning Christian is one of the delicious dishes of of a delicacy of King Nebuchadnezzar, of the table of demons. Believing in eternal security without any possibility that you could ever turn against the Lord. That you are destined, elect, to be saved and you can't be lost. That's another... That's another delectable dish from Nebuchadnezzar's table. It is not served on the table of the Lord. So they are to be trained for three years. They've entered into this 10-day test. At the end of that 10-day test, where they ate the simple food directed by the Holy Spirit It says, at the end of ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. Now, we could suppose that they were not accustomed to this kind of food, but I'm sure these were not peasant people. These were out of the wealthy, nobility, and royal palace where they had every kind of food that was kosher, that was clean according to the laws of, of Moses. This was a direct result of God blessing the countenance of these men, causing their health to dramatically improve so that this guard could look at them and tell that they were better nourished and healthier than any of the other young men who ate the royal food. So, the guard took away their choice foods and the wine and he gave them vegetables and water. Well, some of you are going to say, I don't like vegetables. I don't want water, I want wine. Please, spiritually, do you understand what I'm saying to you today? You must make decisions and act on those decisions. And then God will be the effect of touching your life and your heart. But as long as you're feasting on all of the things from Nebuchadnezzar's table, or I could say from the table of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, you will be shut out of that intimate fellowship with Jesus that your heart may long for, but you don't understand that eating the king's food defiles you, defiles your heart and your emotions, causes you to be cancerous, causes you to be prideful and hard. causes you to be judgmental. Now, the result of their decision to only put their food as from the table of the Lord, to only sit at the table of the Lord and only put their feet under his table and not under Nebuchadnezzar's table, God responded by giving them Knowledge and understanding. The literature and the learning, the math, the language. It was a real challenge. It would be as if I were going to China and there I had to learn Chinese. And I had to learn the Chinese culture and I had to learn the Chinese math. It would be a very difficult task. God gave that to them because these three friends joined together with Daniel and did not partake of the delicacies of the king's table. You know what I'm trying to say to you today, don't you? I'm trying to get you to turn aside from the delicacies of the devil's table, of Nebuchadnezzar's table, that you would turn instead And feast on the living word of God. Now, there is a brief note, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. So he has been given a specific prophetic gift. This is God's effect on his decision not to defile himself with the king's table. Now, I, I speak frankly with you when I tell you that most of my life I have partaken of the Lord's table and of Nebuchadnezzar's table. And the result has been a deluding of the presence of God in my life, allowing me to make many mistakes on this journey from the city of destruction to the celestial city. You remember in the story of of Christian, he made some very serious mistakes too. He went the way of legalism, legalism is where he thought he would find morality. And of course, once we go the direction of legalism, we try to enforce that on everybody around us. And we try to say that if you'll just keep the law, if you'll obey what I believe, then you'll be all right. And if you don't, I won't be associated with you. Legalism is an ugly thing and it always rears its ugly head when we begin to talk about holiness and righteousness. Now, Evangelist rescues Christian in Pilgrim's Progress, rebukes him for his legalism, and sends him back to the narrow path to follow the way of righteousness. Now, he also makes a very serious blunder with hopeful and walks in a comfortable path, thinking it's going the same direction as the narrow path, only to fall prey to the giant despair. It's not until he finds the key given to him, the key of faith, that he's able to open the giant's gate and successfully escape. On another occasion, he sees two roads. He's not sure which one to take. He's been given clear instruction, however, on knowing which one to take. Always take the narrow road that is straight. Well, this time he takes another path and it leads him astray. And when he is returned, he is given a whipping by an angel to discipline him to say, Do not leave the narrow path. I too have experienced those things, and I too have made many mistakes. Daniel does not make a mistake. He says, I will not put my feet under the table of Nebuchadnezzar. I will eat simple food. And God responded by giving him knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. We had a young man who in high school began to listen to this broadcast. And finally, in high school, he applied to MIT. Everyone told him he would not be able to enter MIT, but just the opposite happened. Not only did he enter MIT, but they gave him a full scholarship. But in order to keep that scholarship, he had to keep a certain grade level. And he called me, and he said, Pastor, I'm not making the grades to continue at MIT. I said, well, how much time are you spending every day reading the scriptures and praying and submitting to Jesus? He said, I don't have time. I don't have time to do my homework and to spend time in the scriptures. I said, no, just the opposite is true. You don't have time not to spend time with Jesus. If you will take the time... To read the scriptures daily and to pray and spend that hour with Jesus, the grades will come and you will succeed. I didn't hear from him for a while and then he called me and he said, Pastor, you were right. As soon as I began to read the scriptures and pray, God gave me understanding of the work that I am doing, and my grade came up. For his remaining time at MIT, his graduation, and then again receiving a scholarship for a master's degree, he was faithful in that time with Jesus and successfully graduated. we will not put our feet under the table of Nebuchadnezzar. Not by the lie that you have to have your feet under the world's table in order to successfully compete in our culture. If you will put your feet under the table of the Lord, there will be a supernatural occurrence in your life. And that supernatural occurrence will be both healing for mind, body, and soul. And then they had a test. This is Daniel 1, verse 18. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them them in for the examination, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar and the king began to orally test them. The scriptures say he found none equal to Daniel or his three friends. None were equal. So they were brought into the king's service because in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them to be ten times better than all of the magicians, enchanters of his whole kingdom. In other words, they were more wise than even their professors who taught them. That was called life on God's terms. They were greatly blessed by the Lord God of heaven. I don't know what your situation is today. But I can tell you that if you are feasting on the table of demons, if you are consuming all of the media, if you are participating in the world's entertainment, you will not be able to be intimate with the Lord God of heaven. You will be able to be very intellectual You can have all of the answers, but those answers will have a hard edge and will cover a bitter, angry spirit. What you're dealing with is the reality that intellectualism does not pierce into the spiritual realm you can only be brought into the spirit realm by entering in through the door. And what is the door? Is it Mount Hermon? No. That's not the door. Well, the watchers came down on Mount Hermon. I'm sorry, that's not the door. Yes, they came down, but they were not allowed to return. It was a one-way door to judgment. So how do we enter into the spirit realm? Some people are just gifted in the spirit. But remember, in the spirit realm, there are spirit powers. Over here. I've shared with you, with you many times, but I'll share it again very quickly. In the book of Ephesians, it says this For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. These are some of the powers that are in the spirit realm. Witches and warlocks access very comfortably, as Balaam did through divination, the spirit realm. But that's not where the door is into heaven. There is only one door into heaven. Jesus said, I am the door. Jesus was very clear that he was the way, that is the path, the truth, and the life, and that no man can enter except through Jesus Christ. He is the door into heaven. You will not enter the door into heaven by being a Muslim or a Jew, or Buddhist, or Hindu, you can only enter into heaven's realm through Jesus Christ. The devil has been cast down with his angels and he is no longer to enter the realms of heaven. He is out because the only way you can enter is now through the person, Jesus Christ. No unclean thing can enter. So you can enter the spirit realm and many of these things that we have that are so popular today. Some of you enjoy watching the vampire movies or the vampire TV shows. Some of you enjoy watching supernatural things that are not of the Lord God of heaven. Occult. Those are all the powers of darkness and they are there to deceive you. And soon we will have them manifesting on the earth. They're already doing so in UFOs. They are interdimensional. They can appear and disappear as they choose but they are not of heaven. They are demons. You have to make a decision. Lukewarmness is caused by feasting on the things of this world, on the things of darkness. Life comes by feasting, according to John 6, on the broken body of Jesus, And the spilled blood of Jesus. And you do that by reading the scriptures, by praying, and by doing those things that God has asked you to do and not doing those things that He has commanded you not to do. It is a matter of what kingdom do you belong to? Do you belong to the kingdom of darkness? Or do you belong to the kingdom of light? Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is among you. Well, he is the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is a place. It is a divine authority and rule on this earth, but it's also a locality. Heaven is a place. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go, prepare a place for you, I will come again. That where I am, there you may be also. Heaven is a place, but it's also a place of governance where there are rules, speed limits. It's a place that is judicial. Man did not invent government. Man did not invent the judicial system. That was all before we were even created. That's in heaven. There is a a book of remembrance. There is a, a book of life and a book of remembrance for those who have Their names removed from the book of life or never entered in. Please understand, heaven is real. Daniel believed that. And Daniel saw the supernatural moving of God in astonishing victories. We're going to talk about those victories this week. Those victories you can also have in your life if you will turn aside from the king's food, if you will eat the simple food of God's word, and if you will obey the simple commands of our Lord God, of Jesus, if you will feast on his broken body and his spilled blood, you will be well nourished, You'll be ten times better than anyone who is not. See, this kingdom of heaven is a glorious place. It is with a temple that is the command center of the universe. And it's from that place that Jesus today is ministering the benefits of his atonement. There are those who falsely believe that Jesus has forgiven all of our past, present, and future sins. It's simply a lie. It's not in the Word. We must now repent of our sin and turn from all wickedness. And Jesus will apply the benefits of his atoning blood and will wash away our sins and will make us into new creatures. We somehow become so cloistered that we think the house we live in, the car we drive in, the place where we go to work, the world we live in, we somehow begin to think that this is all there is. And we don't recognize there is something far greater, far more real. The spirit realm is not some mushy cloud floating above the earth. It's a real place. It has technology. It has governance. It has judicial. It has speed limits. It has rules. One of my prayers is always Lord, teach me the rules of heaven. Teach me the ways of heaven. Teach me how to pray so that my prayers can be answered why I so love the Lord's prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, please Lord, would you bring your kingdom power upon this earth and may I participate in bringing about your will upon this earth. And you know the will of God is being expressed in supernatural power by giving a new birth to those who are willing to take their feet out from under the table of Nebuchadnezzar and place them as David did under the table of the Lord, where goodness and mercy will then follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. For me, heaven is now I'm not physically there, but I am in my spirit. I know I have an address in heaven, and so when people ask me what your address, pastor, I will sometimes just say my address is revelation twenty one I don't have the street address yet. he hasn't given that to me, but I have the city address. I know where to send my prayers to the heavenly sanctuary where they go up before God as incense and he answers my prayers well I'm praying for you I'm praying for this broadcast I'm praying that God will come and convict you of every place you still yet remain under the table of Nebuchadnezzar table of the witch, the occult. I'm asking that the Lord would make it plain to you what he wants you to do and how he wants you to feast on his food and be filled with his spirit. Now this week we're going to continue walking through these amazing miracles, supernatural miracles of God as we look at Nebuchadnezzar's As we look at his dream, as we see the crisis that that puts Daniel and his friends in. Because I put my feet under the table of the Lord does not mean I'm not going to face very severe crisis. I will face those crises, but my confidence is in the Lord. He is the mighty God of heaven. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is our Lord. He is our Jesus. He is our brother. And he's made a way for us to enter into the Holy of Holies. My brother, my sister, look carefully at what you're feasting on. And turn aside if it's not of the word of the living God. Well, we're out of time for today's broadcast. I want to report to you the good news. I received a pledge this morning that completely covers the last amounts owed for radio for this month. I am praising God for that. I wanna thank each one of you who is so kindly given and some of you probably have already put your offerings in the mail. They will be applied to next month. July is a tough month. It's one of the longest months we have with broadcast days. So we will be at right at $4,000 for the month. And we're at a place where we're going to need new equipment. My soundboard is dying. And we're in the process of selecting another soundboard. I think they're going to run somewhere between six and $700 for that new soundboard. I'm standing by faith God will open the way. I'm also working and thought I had it solved today, and then it, we ran into problems. I want to begin interviewing some of you. Uh, I've already spoken with several of you. Kayla is going to be one and Mike is going to be one, and some of the others of you I'm going to be inviting to come live with me on air uh, on video from your home on your computer and let me interview you and and hear your story and, and what progress you're making in Jesus as a testimony to others to encourage them to press in and go after Jesus. So those interviews will hopefully begin Next week, uh, we'll put them on our YouTube channel, and we have another channel I'll tell you about where they're going to appear. I'm excited about doing interviews, though. I want to hear from you. I want to see you. I want to meet you. So that's coming. So my brother, my sister, we're out of time for today. I love you. I want to meet you in person. Let's pray. Lord, I lift up your mighty name. For you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You rule over everything. And you closely examine the heart of every man and every woman. We cannot hide from you. We are under your surveillance. And you understand even the hidden motives of our heart. Lord, would you please come? Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you bring conviction and change in our hearts? Thank you, my Lord. I bless your mighty name today and I bless every person listening and watching this video or on the radio. Lord, I bless them in the name of Jesus with courage and trust and confidence and healing in their minds and bodies and spirits. Lord, come in revival power. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Help your child or-